today on In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. Farag. Remember how we were talking about how Nehemiah had to wait four months for God to answer this prayer? Aren't you glad he did? Down to the day? Down to the day. It's been said that God is never late, but neither is God ever early. And that's a good thing. We don't want God to be early. There's a reason that God delays. God delays for a purpose. You're listening to In Spirit and Truth, the radio ministry of Pastor J.D. Farag of Calvary Chapel, Kaneohe. Pastor J.D. is currently teaching through the book of Nehemiah. We want answers and we want them now. Oh, and we would really like it if the answer was always yes. <laughs> Much to our dismay, this isn't the way God works. However, Pastor J.D. encourages us that God's timing is perfect. While we think we know what's best, only God can truly know what we need and when we need it. There's peace in knowing we can lean on God and He's got it all figured out. Now be sure to stay with us after today's message to hear how you can get your own copy of today's broadcast. Subscribe to the In Spirit and Truth podcast or download the In Spirit and Truth iPhone or Android mobile app. Now here's Pastor J.D. in the book of Nehemiah chapter 2 with today's edition of In Spirit and Truth. And if you're for me, who or what? What king, what ruler, what obstacle can possibly be against me? If you're for me, if you're for me, no problem. No problem. And he had that sanctified resolve in his hip pocket, so to speak, on that particular day. It was already there. And then, (laughs) that was before. And then, I would just have loved to have known what the Lord ministered to Nehemiah when he prayed in that, just that instant, that very short prayer. Lord, this is it, isn't it? Yeah. You're going to give me the words to speak, right? Yeah. Just speak. I've gone before you. I am for you. You'll see. You'll see. And that's why he was able to say what he said with that sanctified confidence. Now, verse 6 is going to get really interesting. Then the king said to me, and we're told parenthetically, the queen also sitting beside him, how long will your journey be, and when will you return? Stop right there. Did you catch that? Nehemiah, buddy, (laughs) I love you, man. I have no problem with you going, but I'm not going to let you stay. I can't replace you. When are you going to be back? If it's not too long, and then think about this. It's not here. How cool would it be if it was? Oh, I'll be back in 53 days. <laughs> right? But minus the, the amount of time it takes me to get there, because it's only going to take 52 days to do that, which should normally take much, much longer to do. In other words, the king is saying, Nehemiah, you can go, but I want you back as soon as possible, because I need you. You're my guy. Wow. Wow. So it pleased the king to send me, and I set him a time. Oh, I would have loved to have known how much time he gave himself. (laughs) Maybe that's why he did it so quick. I told the king I'd be back within like six months or three months or whatever. So verse 7, furthermore, 
I said to the king, if it pleases the king, look how respectful he is. Look how honorable he is. Let letters be given to me for the governors of the region beyond the river. This is very prudent, by the way. That they must permit me to pass through till I come to Judah. And a letter to Asaph, the keeper of the king's forest, that he must give me timber to make beams for the gates of the citadel, which pertains to the temple for the city wall and for the house that I will occupy. And... The king granted them to me according to, and you remember this phrase from Ezra? The good hand of my God upon me. <sighs> oh, oh, I, if the Lord's hand is upon me, I would rather, now this might jam somebody's gears, but whatever. I would rather live one week with the hand of God upon me than 10 years without it. I would rather live only one week and have my life end knowing that the hand of the Lord was on me than to live 10 plus years and not have God's hand on me. Well, this is where, again, it's going to get really interesting because This is one of those places in the Word of God where you need to know a little bit about Bible prophecy. And we happen to know a little bit about Bible prophecy around here. But this is a fulfillment of a prophecy in the book of Daniel, chapter 9, down to the gnat's eyebrow. And yes, gnats have eyebrows. (laughs) Let me read the uh, prophecy first. And I know you're familiar with this. Daniel chapter 9, verses 25 and 26. Know therefore and understand that from the going forth of the command to restore and build Jerusalem until Messiah the Prince, here's the timeline, there shall be seven weeks and 62 weeks. The street shall be built again and the wall. Oh! That's pretty specific. Even in troublesome times. And verse 26, after the 62 weeks, Messiah shall be cut off. Speaking of Jesus, but not for himself. And the people of the prince who is to come shall destroy the city and the sanctuary. Now we know that who that is, especially in the next verse, verse 27. The end of it shall be with a flood, and till the end of the war, desolations are determined. Stay with me. I don't know if you've heard of this. This is a great resource to have in any library. It's a book by Sir Robert Anderson, who was a British astronomer and mathematician, a genius, really. He wrote a book titled The Coming Prince. And in it, he makes a very compelling case that Jesus fulfilled Daniel's prophecy exactly to the day when he entered Jerusalem in that triumphal entry, when they were singing with the palm branches, Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. 
April 6, 32 AD. You ready for this? Precisely 173,880 days from Nehemiah chapter 2, verse 1. Here's the thing about Bible prophecy. If it's from God, it's going to come to pass with 100% precision accuracy. Not 99.9999999999. No. 100% accuracy. And that is exactly the fulfillment of the prophecy from the command given by this king to this Nehemiah to rebuild the wall. This would be the... oh. By the way, remember how we were talking about how Nehemiah had to wait four months for God to answer this prayer? Aren't you glad he did? Down to the day? Down to the day. It's been said that God is never late, but neither is God ever early. And that's a good thing. We don't want God to be early. There's a reason that God delays. God delays for a purpose. And here it had a prophetic purpose. Well, verse 9. Then I went to the governors in the region beyond the river and gave them the king's letters. Now the king had sent captains of the army and horsemen with me. Remember how Ezra (laughs) said, you know, I already told the king that God's hand is upon us. And we're going to make this 900-mile, four-month journey to Jerusalem safely with all the bandits that are on the way and all this treasure that we're carrying with us along the way, and we will have safe passage. So he did not take anything from the king. No security, no horsemen, no military, nothing. But here Nehemiah does. Very interesting. We talk about that in Ezra. Verse 10, when... Sanballat, the Horonite, and Tobiah, the Ammonite official, heard of it. Listen to this. They were deeply disturbed that a man had come to seek the well-being of the children of Israel. Oh, would to God that we would deeply disturb the enemy. Would to God that those Sanballats and Tobias in our lives would be deeply disturbed by the call that God has on our lives. Um, You're going to have to uh, get used to these guys. They're going to be around for a while. And they are going to be trouble with a capital T. They will continually oppose the work of God. I mean, after all, they're very disturbed by the the people of God and someone actually seeking the well-being of God's people. Oh, man. Oh, I I want you to be disturbed in Jesus' name. Listen, um, I don't want to get into this, but let me just say, suffice it to say, and in the two years that it took us, shy of two years, we had several Samballots and Tobias rear their ugly heads, and they're very ugly, in opposition to this work. Because someone has sought the well-being of God's people in this area. They were deeply disturbed. 
A church is going in there? So complaints are filed. And we're getting calls. You can't do that. Oh, really? Watch me now. Watch me now. Why? <laughs> because of us? Because we're, we're so smart and clever? Are you kidding me? For those of you who are part of this, you, <laughs> you know better. <laughs> no, you know why? Because the hand of God was upon us. And he called us to do this. And so it was done for that reason. That's why. That's why. Well, as I mentioned at the beginning, (laughs) Nehemiah is going to face relentless attack from the enemy. And this is how it's going to come. This is from whom, amongst others, that it's going to come or going to be introduced to an Arab here shortly. Got to watch out for those Arabs, I'll tell you. (laughs) But um, I just can't get over how we're told there at the end of verse 10 that they were deeply disturbed by this. And to me, this is textbook when it comes to those like a Nehemiah. Now, here's the thing. Whenever you and I set our foot to do that which God has called us to, you are going to disturb the powers of darkness. We wrestle not against flesh and blood. Our battle is not against the people who called and complained and tried to make our lives difficult and stop the work and delay the work and cause problems and ridicule us and laugh at us, which we're going to see that here pretty soon. Oh, by the way, throughout this study, we're going to see some very interesting and specific tactics of the enemy. These are the tools, the wiles of the devil, Paul says. And they're very strategic. He uses discouragement. He uses ridicule. This is how the enemy operates. This is his MO, his modus operandi. This is how he operates, you see. Well, verse 11, So I came to Jerusalem and was there three days. Then I arose in the night, I and a few men with me. I told no one what my God had put in my heart to do at Jerusalem, nor was there any animal with me except the one on which I rode. And verse 13, I went out by night through the valley gate to the serpent well and the refuse gate and viewed the walls of Jerusalem, which were broken down and its gates, which were burned with fire. Then I went on to the fountain gate and to the king's pool, but there was no room for the animal under me to pass. Think about that. So I went up in the night, again, by the valley, and viewed the wall. Then I turned back and entered by the valley gate and so returned. And the officials did not know where I had gone or what I had done. I had not yet told the Jews, the priests, the nobles, the officials, or the others who did the work. What's Nehemiah doing here? Is he trying to be sneaky, under the radar, covert? I don't want anybody to know. What's he do- Is he paranoid? No. Is he prudent? Absolutely. This is very prudent. This is very wise to go out under the cover of night. This is very wise for him, at least at this juncture, not to communicate his plans to anyone. He goes out. He gets the lay of the land. And to me, this is wisdom from above when it comes to keeping things that God shows you in your heart until such a time 
as God makes it clear that now is the time to unveil it, to reveal it, which Nehemiah is now going to do. Verse 17, then I said to them, you see the distress that we're in, how Jerusalem lies waste and its gates are burned with fire. Come and let us build the wall of Jerusalem that we may no longer be a reproach. And I told them of the hand of my God, which had been good upon me. By the way, nothing wrong with that. You know what, brother, sister, friend, God's hand is on me. God's hand is on this. One of the things that became abundantly clear throughout this building project, and by the way, you better get used to me referring to the (laughs) building project through this study in Nehemiah, because there's so many life lessons that can be learned. And not necessarily just for a building project, but uh, throughout life, all across the board, on every level. But it just became abundantly clear that God's hand was on this project from day one. And God's hand was on the people that were involved in this project. We, those of us that were involved in it, we got to watch and were so blessed by all of those little things. It was like, wow, God, you are so good. Only God could do that. And little things. You know, every time I look at those two refrigerators in the kitchen, we still refer to them as the refrigerator story. Listen, you haven't lived until you've heard the refrigerator story. Now you're looking at me like, okay, are you going to tell us the refrigerator story? Okay, just real quick. So (laughs) don't look at your watches. So uh, they go into, I think it was Lowe's or was it Lowe's? Yeah. And uh, they see this refrigerator. It's on sale. And because it was the floor model, it was uh, even less. I mean, they they got them, both of them, for, I want to say, almost like, you know, half the price of what their, uh, what the price should have been. And they ran into this opposition and the, you know, the people are saying, hey, we can't sell you the floor model. And so, you know, I'm sorry. So, so being as persistent and because the hand of God was on them, refrigerators are very important, you know, (laughs) especially those. Those are nice refrigerators. So then they end up going to the manager and the manager says, who told you that? So they got the one and said, well, we need two. Well, we only have one. So they went to another Lowe's and they, you know, said, well, this is the sale price. Yes. Well, can you sell the floor model? No. So they do this. (laughs) This is the the Reader's Digest version. So they basically go, after being told no, I don't know how many times, no, 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 no. So they go to the manager, and the manager says, yeah, that's fine. So <laughs> we, we we got two refrigerators for basically the price of what one should have been. And that's the refrigerator story. And that's, I love remembering that. Why? Because the hand of God was on those refrigerators. So now next time you go there, I want you to look at those refrigerators and I want you to praise God for those refrigerators, right? The hand of God was on us. Okay, where was I? We're almost done here. So, and also of the king's words that he had spoken to me. So they said, let us rise up and build. Yay! It's going to be short-lived. We'll see, they're going to get really discouraged once they start doing it. But then they set their hands to this good work But, here those guys are again, (laughs) when Sanballat the Horonite, Tobiah the Ammonite official, and Geshem the Arab, I told you about him, there he is, right there, heard of it, get this, 
They laughed at us and despised us and said, What is this thing that you are doing? Will you rebel against the king? So I answered them and said to them, and this is a great answer, by the way, the God of heaven himself will prosper us. Remember, Nehemiah has sanctified courage and confidence in the Lord because the Lord's hand is upon him. And if the Lord is for him, who is going to be against him? No Samballot, no Tobiah, no Geshem, no Arab, no, I don't care. The God of heaven himself will prosper us. Therefore, we are his servants, and we will arise and build. But you, oh, that's not in the original, but you have no heritage or right or memorial in Jerusalem. You know what Nehemiah is saying here? You can, you're laughing. You're laughing now. You're laughing at us? Really? Hmm. Isn't that special? He stands firm. And in effect, he tells these men, you can laugh all you want, but God's going to bless us. God himself will bless us. God himself will prosper us, and you'll see. And you're going to be ashamed. There's going to be a sanctified shaming. You're laughing now. You know who you're laughing at? You're not laughing at us. You think you're laughing at us? Oh, (laughs) you are sadly mistaken. You are, you're laughing at God. And by the way, spoiler alert, (laughs) you don't want to be laughing at God. This is God's work. This is God's work. That which we're about to do, we're going to rise and we're going to build and we're going to do this. This is God. You're laughing at God. You'll see. And oh, by the way, when it's done, don't even think about it. You won't even be welcome here. You will play no part of this here. You will have no inheritance of anything here. You're laughing now, but we'll see who gets the last laugh. So many life lessons. So much we can take home with us tonight. If anything, I hope that along with me, because again, for me, this is another renewed confidence and strength in the Lord. I mean, man, is there anything that we can't do? Like Paul said, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. If the Lord has his hand upon me, are you kidding me? There's nothing impossible. God can do grand and glorious things, and he does the extraordinary with ordinary Nehemiahs like this, like you, like me. Learning about the history of Israel brings us new insight into God's faithfulness and ability to use anyone and everyone to accomplish His purposes. We have a God who loves us more than we can imagine and who desires to have us join Him in spreading that love to every corner of the earth. One way in which we can have a great impact is through prayer. Here at In Spirit and Truth, we pray regularly for our listeners and we ask that you in turn would intercede for us. Please pray that we keep our focus on advancing God's kingdom and that our hearts would always be open to God's leading. Please join us in praying for those who will tune in to In Spirit and Truth that they would be touched by God and turn their lives over to Him. Thanks for joining us in this way. 
If you enjoyed today's message and want to hear more from Pastor J.D., find us online at inspiritandtruthradio.com and click Listen at the top of the page. Pastor J.D. also has a convenient way for you to stay connected. Yes, I do, Josh. You can download the In Spirit and Truth mobile app on any device and listen anywhere, anytime. Our app includes our studies through the Bible, book by book, chapter by chapter, and verse by verse, as well as our Bible prophecy updates. Many are finding the mobile app to be very helpful in this fast-paced world in which we live. To find the link to our app, you can go to inspiritandtruthradio.com. Thanks, Pastor J.D. That's all we have time for today, but be sure to join us again for more from Nehemiah right here on In Spirit and Truth.